Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Walking Blind is hosted by overly emotional dudes who overthink and overanalyze everything. Nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. They're not professionals, and they're about to make that very clear. So just kick back and hang with them, because you've earned it. Well, you got fancy equipment here. I know. I'm trying to do this for reals. <laughs> it's kind of trying to make this serious, Mom. It's kind of a big deal. Yeah. <clears throat> all right. All right. Um. All right. Check, check, check. All right. Start. Yeah, let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Walking Blind Podcast. I'm Mike. That is also Mike. And today we have a very special guest for episode 12. 12. <laughs> this young lady is my is my mother. Uh, my mom is a retired social worker, uh, mother to two boys. And um, she is probably more busy now, retired, than she was when she was still working. That's right. So... Um, yeah, she's she's gracious enough to come on and uh, and speak with us. Uh, I'm actually excited because there's some there's some things that uh, like even just coming here, there's some questions that I haven't really thought to ask my mom, my mom ever. I feel like you're you're glossing over some very important details <laughs> on this intro, Mike. First of all, we have the decorating queen in the house. Sure. You'll notice looking on camera, my house is very sparse, so I'm a little embarrassed very that nice. she's here. Uh, we also have. One of the most extra people I know in the best way possible. She always goes above and beyond, which is we've talked about on this show before. Yeah, uh, we talked about the tacos, which thank you. 
for so, uh, <clears throat> for my my college graduation they said you could bring one vehicle <laughs> and that's all they said but one vehicle so my mom got a limo <laughs> that took care of a lot of one one car to fit them all you know yeah that's right so we are going to talk, uh, and don't mind my voice, I, uh, I blew my voice out last week and I still haven't quite recovered, <laughs> but we're going to be talking today, we, we have a bunch of questions for you, um, I know there's some interesting questions that we want to ask about Mike, we're going to put him in the hot seat and embarrass him a little bit, um, <laughs> and then we have a, a ton of questions from, um, you know, from the live, from Instagram, um, so I guess to start... We've done our own intro. Do you want to intro yourself? Do you want to give like your professional history, your oh. background? <laughs> <laughs> it's weird to talk about yourself. I, I it know. is. It is. But first of all, I just want to say thank you for the invitation, guys. Of course. Uh, yes. It's a privilege to, for me to be here as an old lady to um, be able to meet so many of your <laughs> friends and hearers that are young. And um, I just hope that we can have a fun time this evening and... Uh, that we can share, and um, I'm just a, a lucky mom of two boys. That's all I can say. That's you. That's my title. You're the yeah. you're the legend <laughs> around these parts. So one, can I, I'm just gonna share really quick one of my favorite stories about my mom and like having to do with like touring and all that stuff. Um, we were playing at the Glass House, and we were playing with Every Time I Die, and this was like a pretty big show for us. Huge, yeah. And so, so it was it was big enough that I got both my parents to come out, you know, and um, and so, so my mom was like, "Where do I go?" I was like, "Just go to the front, and then you're on the guest list." <laughs> well, how how will I know to find? I was like, "Mom, just go find the building. They're gonna know that you're not there as a showgoer. <laughs> They're gonna know that you're like yeah. <laughs> someone's mother, like." Only one over 50 that was there. Yeah. And so and the only person in that entire building wearing pink, which was awesome. Perfect. Then you can spot her in the yeah. crowd. And so, of course, I don't even think you made it to the front until like a security guard or someone like saw, saw my mom and they're like, you want, you want to go this yeah. way. This is how you Danger zone. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I thought that was, I thought it was funny that she like, <laughs> it's like mom's going to know. But that's, that's true support though. That's, that's the real deal. I guess, well, I guess talking about that, we can talk about, um, one of the first questions that came up. Um, so for you, um, what was the question? What was it like seeing Mike leave for his first tour? What was, what was that? What was the emotion? What were the thoughts? <laughs> well, you can imagine as a mom, I'm speaking now as a mom, not a fan. <laughs> Um, it was hard uh, to see your little boy going out with his little guitar case <laughs> and hopping in this van with five other guys <laughs> and waving to him goodbye. But even though I was sad that he was going because of the uncertainty and the dangers out there, not only on the road, but, you know, just gen in general, um, I, I had a sense of happiness because I knew that he was doing something that he really wanted to do. And to see his happiness, his excitement um, of the journey, I just, um, it just kind of gave me peace. Not to say that I wasn't worried, <laughs> but I knew that God was going to take care of him. And my prayers continued morning, noon, and night. So I had to let go and let God take over because it 
it would have been really hard because of, uh, you know, uh, later on I got to know a little bit more about it, but I'm glad I didn't know <laughs> that much <laughs> at the time when he left on that That's first. Fair. That's fair. On that first one. <laughs> so. Uh, um, so at how old were you when you when you first went on tour? Well, I mean, because so because you say guitar, because I think I think you're probably thinking the same thing too. You someone we went up north, right, mm -hmm. with Ryan Seacrest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that was I was still in high school, mm -hmm. so we had done some shows up north. Um, like we yeah we did like I don't even know um we did Pacifica some like. Fresno. I know. I know. I know that there was like a. I now I'm pulling back into the 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 history here. I know there was a band other than NBR that that you had had the opportunity to play in, and I know you guys shut it down because you were still in high school. Oh yeah, like eighty. Yeah, yeah. Steve Borth. <clears throat> Steve Borth's band. Yeah, that wasn't gonna happen. We won't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, that could have been really cool. <laughs> it could have been, a, could have been a really cool, really cool tour. Yeah. But uh, so, so yeah, when I was, I think I was a senior. I think it was my senior year of high school. We had done, we had booked like something like six shows. It was just all up, all up California, and um, and we we had taken. Actually, I think we went in two cars because I don't think we had a. We had Ryan Sievers' mom's blazer, which was pulling this trailer that we had bought and that didn't it like when i say it barely made it home it literally it was literally dragging sparks everywhere on the way back as we were coming home like it was like a flat tire or was the trailer the just trailer shot? was just shot it just wasn't meant to carry like gear and this is only it wasn't even a full week you know and um anyway so that was like the first time that we'd ever like left like we had to print up all our directions because this is like 2002 we like yeah map we did quest. map quest everything mm -hmm. i think uh we had like you had to like spring break wasn't it i think it was spring break mm -hmm. oh my gosh yeah it was and that makes sense then why you were allowed to go <laughs> yeah and also like just having to like because i'm pretty sure we had to get the hotels in like your name mm -hmm. or something or dad's name because we were yeah we were all like you know 18 whoa uh or because we had the credit card we didn't have credit cards none of us had cards i don't think and so so yeah, that was mm. the yeah. things you do for love. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> All right. So let's we'll we'll jump through a, a couple of different questions here. So, um, let's let's keep talking about Mike as a kid. When <laughs> when did you realize that that music was a serious thing for, for him? Mike? Well, he he always liked music. He always enjoyed different kinds of music and um not you know at home we had more of the religious music and the oldies because you know we're from that era so they learned a lot of that and he was he learned a lot of that type of music he liked all sorts of music some classicals and anyway music was in his blood so um his his passion at the time when he was in junior high, of course, was sports, especially baseball. But it came a time when that was not available for him. And so we decided that instead of him just sitting around, you know, shooting the breeze, he, that he enjoyed music and he enjoyed getting together with some of the guys. So dad and I decided to go ahead and buy him his first guitar. 
to play. And um, Fender Squire. And, nice. <laughs> and of course, they would use the garage, and we kind of warned the neighbors around the area to, you know, that after school the kids would be on the band, playing band, and that it wouldn't last very long, at, you know, at night. And uh, anyway, long story short, um, I was super surprised that when they had their eighth grade banquet, they announced the band. And I think you guys already had uh, the name, right? No bragging rights? Uh, n- no, we had... But anyway, anyway we you, had, were, you were announced, yeah. that, you know, the band. So mm-hmm. here, you know, Mr. Sievers, and we had David Mendoza. Jose, no? Jose Mendoza. I mean, Jose Mendoza. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so they get up, and they did really well. I mean, for the oh, first, we didn't even know that you guys were going to do that, you know? Yeah. Well, actually, we had Joey Sanchez. Oh, yeah. yeah, he, Sanchez? Was, he yeah. was our singer, he right? He was our singer. Yeah, really? yeah, yeah. Did you know that? I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. yeah he so we were I, blown I away. Did you know that? We were blown away, yeah. <laughs> so crazy. that was the first time that we thought, oh, wow, it looks like these guys are really pretty, you know, serious about taking their music to the next level. So, of course, that continued through in the summer and on to high school. We literally practiced like every day, Mm -hmm. every day after school we practice and we learned like by the time I was like a soft, like even I think even before I was a sophomore in high school, like I already knew like police could have, they'd have to come, uh, if they had to come a second time, then they can like actually like give you a ticket or take your stuff or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But we just knew. And, and by the time, you know, by like my junior year of high school, I think we kind of knew the cop. Like they come in and they like, "Hey, what's up, guys?" And I'm like, "Okay, cool, we're almost done." Yeah. And they're like, "All right, cool." And then eventually, we had uh, one of the one of the police officers came and and he, I think he he appreciated that we were like playing music. You know, we're not out vandalizing anything. We're doing music. Right. And I'm and I remember he was. I think he was even just getting tired of getting called in like to come tell us to sh- shut up. And so I I remember. I just straight asked him. I was just like, where is this call coming from? And the only reason I'm asking, we're not going to egg them or whatever. Like, where is the call coming from? Because then we can position, maybe we can turn, like, yeah, position ourselves different so the sound carries a different way, you know? And he was just like, that's fair. He's (laughs) like, he's like, I can't tell you. Yeah. He's like, I can't tell you. (laughs) Dispatch, uh, where where was that, uh, where was that call coming from? And they're like, oh, it's from the address, blah, blah, blah. Okay, thank you. And he's like, <laughs> I didn't tell you anything. And we're like, fair. That's, that's cool, though. Yeah, and then we figured out where it was coming from, and we like literally positioned our garage. I think we even tried to get like a mattress to like try to angle yes. sound or whatever. Put, and on the bottom. Yeah, we did. We tried, we tried our best. And uh, I remember the police officer, like, they appreciated that also. <laughs> was this the La Sierra house? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Nice. No but we were, didn't yeah. have a garage for a long time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the garage. Yeah. <clears throat> so, so this, this mm-hmm. isn't a question that anybody else asked, but this is, I, I kind of want to know this. For Mike, at what point in time did you, did you like that decision where you're like, okay, this is, I want to pursue this full time. And what was, what was the thought process between like, okay, now I got to tell my mom that I'm going to, and then how did you And dad. It? Yeah, mom <laughs> and dad. And then how did you receive it? <laughs> Like, I mean, like, what do you mean? Like, cause like in high school, like, okay. I know this sounds kind of like, well, everyone thinks that, but 
the minute we started playing, like the minute where, I, where we, we were like, oh, we can write our own songs. Yeah. For me, I was just like, this is like, I'm going to do this. Like, I'm going to figure it out. We're going to do this. Um, I had like a couple reality checks, like when, uh, when, like, like when Jose left, our original drummer. That was the first time that I was just like, oh, this can be, this can end. Yeah. And if it ends, like, am I going to just find another band? Am I going to find another musician? Am I going to keep doing this? Or am I going to try to do something else? And so I think, I think by the time, and I, you know, I don't want to speak for, I don't want to speak for Ryan, but I, I, Ryan Sievers kind of told me more or less that he had an expiration date. And I understood that because for anyone who doesn't know, Ryan Sievers, original bass player, I mean, he, he is now like a big time, like accountant. Like he's doing, he's doing really very well, well. <laughs> doing very well. And I knew Proud that. of you, like, Ryan. <laughs> yeah. We all knew that. Like, like he was just, he was just different. Like he was built different. He was built different. He was the tutor. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, so when he told me like, Hey, you know, I kind of have an expiration date. Like if it, if it takes off, then I'm down to do it. Cause I love music, but if it doesn't, then I'm going to need to, you know, focus on my school and, you know, and so, and I remember understanding that and I kind of felt like, okay, this needs to be, that was like my, I think that's probably my original, like, I guess to try to keep Ryan or just, you know, like, yeah. like make it like we have to do well. We have to make it so he'll stay. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that might've been maybe like the first time, like it was just like, okay, we're like, you know, my mom knows like I had different, uh, attempts at college <laughs> that didn't really work out a couple, but I remember like thinking at, at 2005 when he was like on his way out, I think that's when like my mentality started to change where I was just like, I can only like, I need to only do this for now. Like this is, I don't know how that, what that looks like, but this is what we got to do. And then that's around the time when Christian joined the band and Christian was like an even bigger, uh, like, like more of a details guy. I'm big picture. He was more like details. Like, okay, well then we got to, we got to get this and we got to sell this and we got to, you know, so I guess 2005 is probably when it, I was like, okay, we, I want to do this for reals then. It's interesting. So that's right around the time I came into the picture. Mm -hmm. Wow. And also around that time too, that's when like, <clears throat> like, M like we, MBR, like we've been around forever. So like, you know, we could play like place like the showcase and we had a pretty good crowd. You know, we, we could play most, most areas like locally and do pretty well. But around that time, I think is when we like really started to make a push, to, like really promote for shows, like really like get, yeah, try to get as many people as we could out, um, you know, going out, checking out other bands, making those connections. So yeah, around that time, I think is when it started to really pick up. So then what was that like for you seeing him get to that point where it's like, okay, we're like college is not in the picture right now. School's not in the picture yeah. right now. Well, I remember that day very, very distinctly. <laughs> She's like, and I remember yes. it differently. <laughs> well, he had already started his freshman year in college. Okay. He was doing okay, but we knew that his heart was not in it. And he, he was capable, we knew, of a lot better grades, you know. Um, so he was struggling, and I know that he was doing it for us. Right. Not because he was really into um, school, look, yeah, and working on a degree or anything like that. His heart was not in it. 
So therefore, um, it was we we had a feeling that was coming down the pipe, mm-hmm. and when it did come, of course, it wasn't um, received with news of glad, you know right. joy and yeah. glad tidings. You know, celebration. Yeah. No, no celebration. However, I remember distinctly telling him. Um, if this is what you want to do for now, you know, we wish it was different, but this is your choice. And I know that day will come when you will come back to school, and I hope that you will give schooling the same dedication, the same passion that you have for your music. So I knew that when he does something, he does it wholeheartedly. Right. And for him, it was very hard to do half schooling and half music. So this way, he was able to put all of his energy, all of his passion into music. And my hope and my prayer was that someday soon, (laughs) he would be able to move that same passion and excitement to his studies. And I told him that. I said, I know that when you come back to do your studies, you will give it that same attention, some same commitments, that same passion to your studies. And yeah, 10 years later, yeah. it <laughs> happened. <laughs> Literally 10 years. <laughs> That's a lot of prayer. You know that? Yeah. Yeah. I believe it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting to, to hear both perspectives because, you know, I mean, obviously, you kind of did prove that after the fact, like when mm-hmm. you're when you're actually interested in what you're doing mm-hmm. in school and you're actually focused on it, because we've even talked about how um, towards him finishing school was when they started working on the new NBR record. And he even said, I can't I can't do both. So I have mm-hmm. to finish school before I start writing, mm-hmm. you know, so it's it's yeah, that's that's valid. Yes, yes. <laughs> He's a committed man. <clears throat> True. Yes. All right, so let's see here. I know we have a couple questions directly for you. Mm. Um, so we did mention that you were um, a retired social worker. So we have a couple questions, one from Bryson who um, asked, as a retired social worker, what helped you separate your emotions and experiences uh, from the emotions experience and experiences of others? And then what helped you set boundaries while you were helping people? Okay, that's a, let me start with the first question. And um, when you're doing uh, social work, you're obviously working with people that have a lot of needs, have a lot of problems, and you want to help them. You want to do something. You want to connect them to services. You want to do all you can to have them um, reach their max. And it's hard when you see, as a mom, you see mothers crying for their children. You see um, a lot of pain and, and a lot of sorrow. And as I started there, I would walk out the door, leaving a mom behind that closed door crying for their child, uh, knowing that they'll never... I worked with disability kids with disabilities. Some of them were 21 still on diapers, not able to walk, Um, services difficult for them at times. And it was hard as a mom and and, and I think as a social worker to feel like, you know, I wish I could do more for them. 
However, I found myself bringing a lot of that at home, to, to my home, and um, it started to affect some of the, the way that things were happening at home. I still had my, at that time, my kids were already teens, but, you know, that still was, was taking, emotionally, it was for me, draining and for my husband. So I soon learned that I needed to leave all of that back at the office and pick it up the next day. And when I came home, I came home as a mom, no longer a social worker. Um, because of that, otherwise, you know, you get all involved and, and you can't hardly even think right. of what you're doing at home or whatever because you're thinking of what's happening at work. So you soon learn to leave your, your um, social work hat, hang it up at the door at the office and then pick it up the next morning. Um, so what was the second one? <laughs> <laughs> the, so I, the second one kind of goes into wh what helped you set your boundaries when you were helping people? Oh, okay. Well, you know, <clears throat> when you start to help people, there's a lot of times, and it's hard at first to know uh, uh, how to help people and then how to, the, how to enable people to work for themselves. Many a times they don't want to do it. They can do it, but they want you to do it. Mm -hmm. So part of the job was to help them, take them step by step as much as you could, and to empower them to do a lot of the things that they could do, that they thought they could not do. But with a little help and a little bit of encouragement, they soon found out that they were capable of doing a lot more than than they thought and so we were there just you know letting them know that we're here to support you we're not necessarily here to do the work you know mm -hmm. but we're here to support you to encourage you to connect you to services and so forth so um i think that the my i saw my job as trying to not have them lean on me for everything but to help them have the skills and the tools that they would need as they navigated the system, yeah, basically. That's that's interesting because that kind of answers the other. The next question is, um, like, do you believe that people don't often have the confidence to help themselves? Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and then, what helped? What helped you determine that you wanted to help people? What was that? You know. <clears throat> well, as you may or may not know, um, my. I was raised in a in a Christian home. My daddy was a minister. So growing up, it was always helping people, doing missionary work, uh, outreach, so forth. So from early on, that was part of our of our um, job description, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. Then I married a minister. Well, I didn't marry a minister, but he soon became a minister. So I became the minister's wife, and. Um, I was helping people uh, translate in court, trying to get them services and so forth. Um, and then uh, when I was able to get into my social work, you know, I saw that as missionary work with pay. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it, it never really stopped. I think that it was just something it that, just that I yeah, grew yeah. up with. And I was thrilled that they were going to pay me to go and interpret at a court to help people. You know, I was getting paid for that. So 
how about having a job that you enjoy and you get paid for? Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a blessing. Which, you know, my mom, she's, she will do many things for no pay. <laughs> she's always trying to help people. She'll <clears throat> pay is a bonus, a bonus you know, yeah. so. So this, this, uh, this question is from Angelica. Um, so Angelica asked, so at the start of your career, was there ever a time where you felt like you were settling professionally? Um, in other words, did you ever feel like you had to work in a setting or with a population that you weren't thrilled about just to get your foot in the door? Um, and if so, how did you navigate that? Well, you know, I think I was blessed because I started right after college at a juvenile hall and I worked with girls there for a year. Um, then I got married. So uh, we moved down to Southern California and I started to work at uh, Loma Linda for their um, 30 day inpatient drug abuse, alcohol abuse uh, center. Uh, so it gave me a little bit of difference, you know, working with juveniles and then working with addicts and so forth. Um, and so then, of course, I took a break when my children came. Um, so um, I didn't, I did things that I enjoyed. I also had gotten my degree in education, so I did substitute teaching at one of our schools. And so that helped me to do that and still to be able to have the same schedule my children had. So um, I think I was blessed in being able to have a variety of jobs before going into my 20-year job, which was at in the regional center, working with um, disabled uh, population. So um, I, I think I was blessed, and I have no complaints. <laughs> and and really quick on the way here, my mom dropped some things on me that I had no idea about. Uh, so my mom uh, and dad they lived up the street from here. They lived in the Terrace Oak. Apartments. apartments really on uh washington and cooley whatever like yeah the corner yeah. late interesting yeah, yeah. that corner like literally that corner like right there in the corner yeah top like, apartment wow yes we it's were the first up the ones to right. rent the, the little apartment so we had it brand new so you can imagine they're the ones that are right on the street right right, right on the street yeah. yes that That's was funny. beautiful beautiful place so it's, yeah we would have been neighbors ever since i <laughs> so what's crazy is ever since i've lived in or since i started working at loma linda um i've lived in like six different places all around here so like i started down across from where the, the old taco bell was down there in the um um in the novas uh -huh. right which crazy thing like after i lived there i remember moving out uh, and then i went to go to the post office to get like a package the dude was like hey man you you were you you were in the Novas, and I was like, yeah. I, well, I was. And he's like, man, they used to call that the Nova Point Projects back in the day. And I was like, what? He's like, slap a fresh coat of paint. You can call it whatever you want, but it's still the project. I was like, oh, okay. And, but yeah, so like I I was there, and then I moved um, like right up here on um, like on Mojave, like mm -hmm. over there, tucked away in the in the apartments and stuff like that. I've just been all over the place, and then ended up. Because it's so close to work for me yes. to be here. Yes. <clears throat> and then even what makes the world even smaller is my aunt and uncle um, lived right there on Ritchie Canyon mm. when I was a kid. So like I never, I didn't realize how close I was until one day my aunt was like, "Yeah, the old Ritchie Canyon house is right there." And I was like, "Wait, this is the same Ritchie Canyon?" <laughs> and she's like, "Yeah, just go up this way." So I drove over there and I was like, 
I'm like doing? five minutes away yeah. from the old house that we grew up in. So it's yeah, when you have, when you're yeah. young, you have a different perspective. True. Ryan's mom used to live in Richie Canyon for a little bit, didn't she? Mm, I don't remember. Richie Canyon. Richie Canyon is one of those things where I always remembered it because of the wild donkeys, and the wild donkeys are mm -hmm. still there to this mm -hmm. day. Mm -hmm. um, and I've had a couple nights, you know, riding back at pitch dark because there's no street lights on Richie Canyon, and I'll be like on my motorcycle, right? And it's terrifying because then there'll just be this donkey in the mm -hmm. middle of the road <laughs> and you have to stop because they won't get out yeah. of the way for you. Yeah. And they'll just look at you and you have to either go around them or you have to wait for them all to get out of your way. <laughs> yeah. And it's scary at that's, night. Dude, that's, <laughs> we, we run into them uh, on our hikes. Yeah. And, oh yeah, remember? Yeah. And like, we're kind of worried, <laughs> a little yeah. nervous. We're like, that was kind of big, <laughs> kind of big in person or up close. Yep, things have changed. Yeah. Um, oh, you know what? Before we get any further, there's another part of our show which we kind of forgot to do. Oh, yeah. Our, our uh, mental health check. Our MPHC. MPHC. Our so, health check. This is where we like to just kind of check in, see where, see where we're at, um, like mentally. And uh, yeah, so who, who wants to go first? I'll go first. I'll never go, go first. first. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all right. Um, I feel like I'm waiting for my voice to come back mm -hmm. I, because it's a little stressful, but we finished recording our record and then had issues with the vocals. So now I'm retracking all of the vocals on the record. Um, but I'm doing it at home in my own studio, which is a gift and a curse because I can dial things in exactly how I want them. But then I also push way too hard because <laughs> I want them to sound really good, you know? <laughs> So my voice has been shot for a few days now and I'm just like trying to not talk and recover that. It sounds but great. It's getting better. <laughs> a couple of days ago I was like all raspy and uh, you know, it sounded bad, but <clears throat> sounded like you had a cold, huh? Yeah. And of yeah. course the first thing they think is cold. And of course I'm yeah, I'm teach like I, I'm a, I'm basically a, a teacher, you know, I'm training at work and I'm like, guys, I promise I'm not sick. No COVID. <laughs> this is just, yeah, it's not COVID. Um <laughs> So I feel when I have my allergies. Mm -hmm. yeah, my eyes are like all crazy looking and my nose. I'm like, this is, this happens. This is not, it's been windy, right? It's been windy. <laughs> it, I, I will say though, I, I, I'm, I need to figure out my blood type because I, like you have gotten sick a couple times, gone and got tested and I still haven't tested positive for COVID this whole time. Blood yeah. typo. So I don't know. Maybe Let's I'm be grateful. Maybe blood, blood typo. <laughs> be grateful. <laughs> Mother. Um, yeah. Would you like to go next, Mom? Me? Mm -hmm. How am I feeling? How are you feeling? Well, let me see. I um, I felt a little tired this afternoon, but then, of course, this last week, I spent the whole day at the happiest place on earth, <laughs> Disneyland, <laughs> with my granddaughters, my darling granddaughters, my two boys, my husband. I got husband. to go. I originally wasn't going to be able to go. <laughs> and it was a full day. We must have walked about 10 miles, you think? Seven uh, miles? Close to it, yeah. Okay. I mean, it walking. was. So I think we're still recuperating from that. Mm. But but it's, it's a happy feeling. It's a happy tiredness, I guess you can call it. Mm. So nothing that a little sleep won't uh, take care of you know so but uh i'm happy i'm grateful i'm blessed and that to me is is something that makes me very happy and my mental check i was telling mike the other day because i was at the house 
and I noticed that the Christmas tree was taken down. You know, so I'm looking around and I'm looking at the bookshelves to, to each side of the TV and I go, hey, Mike, there's nothing on this top shelf yet. There's nothing on the top shelf. He goes, don't worry. She's still in the process of decorating. Yeah, I was like, all right, we're still. I'm is, not done. Yeah, this is early stages. He said, we just got started. This is early stages. Yeah. Don't worry. Yes. Do not we're worry. trying to get it done before we take off for, the, for our little vacation. So. Um, Something I want to add so to the mental health check is like Mike and I have both several times on the show we we kind of talked about things that we like to that we do when we feel like you know we're either anxious or we feel like we're just we're going through it. Um, what are what are some of the things that you do, Mom, when you're when you're having just like a hard go at things? You know, you you're emotionally drained or you're or something's happened. Like what what do you do to find your find that peace or get back to, 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 you know, an even balance. Hmm. Nice question. Um, several things. As you know, I enjoy tea of any kind. We have an entire room dedicated to tea. We have a tea room at home if you'd like to come by and see it. And so to me, when I'm done and I just want to relax a little bit, get my nice cup of tea put on my jammies, and go upstairs and relax. And um, I, I enjoy that. Um, I also like Hallmark movies. And if there's a good one going on, I like to just do that. Or just maybe, you know, find a nice book to read or just spend a little time catching up with a honey, um, uh, doing a little bit of phone with the grandkids or with friends I enjoyed that time and if I'm um, wanting to really relax I'll go shopping <laughs> I, <laughs> I enjoy going um, window shopping because I don't necessarily have to buy but I'd love to see what's out there uh, what's new at 99 cent stores what's new at Dollar Tree and Tuesdays at uh, Tuesday the senior <laughs> uh, discount day yeah those are those are times when I just like to go and enjoy and um, and then my other favorite thing is just to go out and spend time with my husband we're both retired and you know for so many years we just didn't have the time to hook up for lunch or you know to be able to do things together and so now we um, are able to maybe go grab a bite somewhere or go to you know yogurt land or something like that just kind of relax and talk and this next week, we're going on a cruise. So that's really? going to be a, yeah. a real little relaxation. Where, where are you guys going? We are going on a, um, what do you call it, love boat, the oh. princess, um, and spending Valentine's Day um, on the Mexican Riviera. Nice. Yeah, yeah, I know. Nice. So that's going to be kind of a fun, relaxing time to recharge the batteries and, you know. I will say for, for a retired couple, you guys do way more. Like you guys do so much. And they've had to spend most of their, not most, but actually probably, I guess it's getting, but even now your retirement has been during COVID and lockdowns and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So my, so my, my parents, they love going on cruises. That's their, that's their thing. So when they both retired, uh, 2019, Mm -hmm. And they both retired. They went on a month-long cruise. Mm -hmm. 
to Australia. And New Zealand. And New Zealand. Beautiful. That Beautiful. It that doesn't drive you crazy to be on. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, right, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Let me tell you, they have sales going on now where you can go around the world. Yeah, they have it. I don't... In fact, they're starting to sell property on ships. What? what? Yeah. Like you can own? You can like own, own, yes. It, it's going to be a ship. It's going to come out already uh, at the end of the year. So, yeah, hey, look out for that. Who knows? You might just find us <laughs> waving uh, goodbye. Yeah, guess who's going on tour now, Mike? Yeah, I know. Yeah. They, they've for done more traveling months. than I have since, since we've been done. Since oh, I've yeah. Been traveling. They I, did, I did see, I think it was Carnival. I think Carnival uh, did release a Batman cruise ship. Did you Have you seen it? Mm -hmm. The whole cruise ship, like there's a big Batman mural on the side of it. Everything, And I was like... <laughs> Maybe next. <laughs> Maybe love it. You'll love it. What if? What if? What if it? Uh, what if it showed you the Batman like a week early? Oh, I'm there. Man. I don't know that we 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 are gonna see the Batman uh, in theaters uh, in our. We're we're getting a private theater to oh. watch it, and I'll be there. I couldn't be there and for this. Part. Mike will be there, so we're excited. When is that? Uh, it's in March. March. Okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, my mom and dad and my aunt and uncle, they went on a, what was it, like a 50s cruise? Mm -hmm. Like a doo-wop cruise? A 60s. 60s cruise? Mm -hmm. Like, I was jealous of some of the bands that played. Really? Yeah, like, it was like, a, well, I don't know how original, but most, like... Uh, a lot of the originals, if not, they had some very yeah. good, um, you would, couldn't even tell, but it was, it was a there's, there's cruise a to remember. There's a lot like, themed cruises going on that... Oh, yeah. That, are like kind of impressive. Mm -hmm. They um, have all kinds, the 60s, the 80s, you know, you just sign uh -huh. up for whatever one you want to go on. Well, they have a, they now have a, um, so Mike, the, the emo's not dead videos. Mm. Um, so they have a cruise now in November, November 8th through 12th. Um, and it's dashboard, under oath, newfound glory, Thursday, plain white tees, silver scene, Hawthorne Heights. On playing show? on a cruise playing on a cruise like Dude. this whole lineup playing on yeah. a on a cruise that uh, is insane november 8th through 12th to well, that's what they had for the 60s they had all these bands and it was just memory lane that's crazy we that's got cool, to though. we got to dress you so, know so do you have so, to bring your own costume yes, or do they provide and, and like no no no, no. <laughs> no you you bring your own stuff <laughs> and then they give prices mm -hmm. you know every night is a different theme that's so cool. yeah, not a day to a moment to be bored. That's for sure. I, could, I feel like I could do that for like maybe a week. A month is a lot. A month seems like a lot. Yeah. Not well. for her. <laughs> um, okay. Let's let's see here. I know we got a. Couple You've been more on a questions. cruise before? Uh, I have not. I've not got. You need to be on a cruise. <laughs> I've been to Alaska twice. Then we'll twice. talk. <laughs> I I would I think I was supposed to go on one cruise and then something happened. I couldn't go for some reason forget why but for for me when i was when i was a kid i traveled a lot because my aunt worked for united oh okay <clears throat> so I, but most of my travel was planes i never really did the cruise mm -hmm. cruise is pretty sick just just based on you get food anytime you want <laughs> oh yeah you can get spoiled real quick <clears throat> so if you haven't had it taken a cruise please do you'll love it <laughs> great way to relax um, okay, so let's. I, I'm wanna. I'm trying to pull all the questions that are that are related to you and that are tied oh. to you. Um, so we did have a question from uh, Windy Shitty Kid. <laughs> um, so have you ever used the chancla? 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ask <laughs> Mike. <laughs> and, at, and at what age did you instill fear into Mike and Mario? I still do. <laughs> <laughs> I tell them they're never too old. So, yes. She always be like, she's like, don't lie to me because I have eyes and ears everywhere and I'll find out. <laughs> she would. <laughs> she always I don't know. It's like you had a, there's a, one of my friends plays snitch at. Dude, La Sierra is a small community. It is a small it community. Is. I, and they knew that, you know, yeah. because many a times, well, not, I shouldn't say many a times, but I remember <laughs> one time in particular with my eldest son, you know, um, I told him, I says, you need to let me know exactly what happened because I will find out. And who knows, I may already know what happened. <laughs> so he kind of had to cough it up, you know. But um, anyway, you know, as a parent, you don't want to instill fear. But you do want them to be honest with you. So Yeah, I was terrified. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, that chunkla came in very handy. Chunkla you know? was real. That's like, yeah, that chunkla. Like I know like I'm sure now like newer generation that it's more like a joke. It wasn't a joke for us. It was real. <laughs> <laughs> real. The chunkla, the broom. <laughs> <laughs> but they got but they got the message, you know that yeah. very yeah. I didn't have to use it too much too much. So my family was the belt. Mm-hmm. It was never. The, it wasn't the chunk. It was the belt. Oh, for us, as me growing up, the belt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All right. So this is from Lucy, um, and I probably worded this a little wrong. But what advice would you give to for uh, cultivating your kid's talent? Mm, good question, Lucy. Well, you know, a talent comes in different forms. It's not just music. Um, my advice would be to encourage your child in whatever they enjoy be it sports be it music be it writing poetry whatever it is but um always encourage them and make them feel like they can do it and that you as a mom are there to support them so um because you know they get enough discouragement from you know their friends and some teachers and whatever so as a parent you need to really encourage them, instill in them that they can do it. And I, I would tell my kids, with God's help, you can do it. And there's nothing that really they cannot do if they put their mind to doing it. And um, so encourage them. Um, um, if, they, if they're in music, you know, put them in music lessons, <laughs> dancing lessons, writing lessons, art lessons, whatever it is, uh, it's a little extra money, but it's well worth it. And I think the last thing would be is to spend time with them, talk to them about their music, be you know um, interested in, in what they're doing, um, if it's art or anything else, you know, um, look at their their products what they're what they're developing and you know you may not make heads or tails about it but you know to them as an artist they feel it's a good thing so just plain encouragement love them and just let them know that they they can do it i have just a quick little thing i want to interject here (laughs) i remember the moment that i realized i was not going to be an artist and it's when i was we were at grandma's old house and we'd finished coloring Erica and I had finished coloring and up until this point my mom everyone you know we, we present our art and they're like 
oh my goodness, this is amazing. <laughs> Straight, you know, let's put it, let's take the let's take the picture down and put it, put the, you know, put a, it was that whole thing. And so I I kind of gotten to the point where I was just like, you know, I'm turning in. I'm, I'm, I'm turning hit after hit after hit, you know. And then I'm there with my cousin who's younger than me, and she's basically scribbling. And then so we both present, you know, our things, and I got the the praise that I had come to expect. <laughs> but then my cousin Erica got praised just as hard, if not harder, for her scribbles. <laughs> and I remember just being like, "What's the age difference between you and Erica? Two, Two years." <laughs> She's she's younger. Yeah, and I just remember being like, "Wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute." I was like, "If you guys are cheering that hard for that, yeah. you guys do that to me this whole time." Like, I remember like, "My life is a lie." Yeah, understanding that, and I remember like that from that moment, like art to me kind of was just like, it was just something I did. <laughs> it was it wasn't something I was going to become a professional at because that's kind of what I probably thought I wanted to be. I was like, "I'll be an artist," and then I realized like, "Oh." Maybe not that good. not that good. No, but you know, in my defense on that one, is that um, <laughs> that he, in his early years he was drawing stuff a lot, um, a lot better, a lot clearer uh, than most kids, you know, his age. And so we would always say that my husband has some little bit of artist in him. He likes to draw and he does good drawings and stuff. And he would with him on stuff and so I thought oh you know he he you told him you've got your dad's talent on artists so just keep on going on that <laughs> so so anyway I guess that uh, the art went in lies. a different direction <laughs> <laughs> so I wonder if this ties into this next question how did social work influence your parenting style mm. yeah for you well let me see um I think there's a lot it's basically the same in the sense that, you know, a parent is uh, one that loves your child regardless. You're compassionate with your child. Um, the same thing with social work. You have empathy, and you really do love those kids. You want to help them. And I think that same thing goes into your parenting. You want your child to be the best that he can. And yeah, there's limitations, but work through those limitations right. as you do in social work. And um, social work just is very much like parenting because you, you know, you, you try to, to love them, but you want to not be, you don't want to enable them just, you know. So um, I think that parenting and social work have a lot of very same characteristics. So... I think that that was, uh, a lot of I was a parent first <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and later put on my, uh, my parenting into social work. <laughs> so, so the art trick came from parenting and not social work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So I think we have one or two more questions before we want to talk to you about, um, about 2015. Mm -hmm. Um, so did your, so last two questions. Did your previous experience uh, cross over into Mike's life? And I think I worded this wrong also, but do you sense the emotion in the lyrics that he writes? And do you see kind of what he's going through um, with his music and mm -hmm. his songwriting? Well, you know, I think I'm one of his biggest fans. I really enjoy listening to his creativity and bringing the message you know, into song. 
granted, I don't understand it when it's being played <laughs> because my ear is not accustomed to the fast kind of music and stuff. But he will read it to me and, you know, um, explain what he's saying through the song. Mm-hmm. He'll pause it and say, this is what I'm saying. This but this is, you know, so and then but then by reading his lyrics and so forth. And I'm um, I'm just really proud that he is able to uh, put into words messages that will bring hope and that will bring encouragement to kids and to young people, um, actually of all ages, that are going through uh, difficult times. And to be able to put that into music is really a talent, I believe. And so I'm very proud of that ability that God has given him. Um, I, I'll just add this. Um, um, when he started to do this, of course, you know, I mentioned before, my husband's a minister, and so is my son, so is my dad. So this was not quite along the lines that we kind of expected it to be, right? Um, it was a little different. However, we soon found that the message that he was taking out to these concerts and so forth, the lyrics that he was writing really had a message. And I remember telling him, son, your daddy, who's a pastor, your son, your brother, who's a pastor, they will never reach the groups, the people that you're reaching. You have a ministry you're a minister in that sense, because, you know, a lot of the kids that are searching and looking may not go to a church. They may not hear a sermon, but they'll hear your music, and they'll hear your message. And my prayer is that those lyrics will reach the hearts of those that are searching, and to give them hope, because that's that's what it's all about. And if you can find hope to keep going, to move forward, then the, the, the message is well done, you know? And I believe in God, and I know that He is in control. He has, um, the, you know, he, he created these kids, He created everyone, and He, he has a plan for each one. So, by, by listening to his music, I just pray that it motivates people to know that there is something better. There is a future. And not give up. Kids are so young that are giving up, you know. I see it at work, in my juvenile holidays, in my drug addiction um, work, and also at, at my last job. They need hope. And that's what we all need. And I... I'm just really glad that he has been able to use his talent and in that direction in helping. And um, so I, I just I hope that that answers the question in that sense that, you know, I'm just really glad that he's able to to portray that, that love yeah. and hope. Um, and then last one, we're doing this just for you, Alex. What's your favorite memory of, of Alex and Ryan? <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, Alex is uh, like I mentioned earlier, our original bass player is Ryan Sievers. 
Alex is his wife. Yeah. And, you know, with, with Ryan, he was like a son. He was at our home all the time. Him and Mikey got along so well. And they were brothers. You know, one was tall, one was short. You know, one <laughs> did math and the other one, the other one did music type of thing, you know. Um, also did music, Mom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he did music, too. But, but, but not really. Yeah. yeah. He was math. But, you know, um, and so when he met um, Alex, uh she had a little group that Mikey also had friends with, so um, she became quickly part of the of the group, and it was really nice to see their relationship grow from friends, shy, and all this, you know, because you know our little Ryan, he was pretty shy, but you know, boy, once he met Alex, they did such they did such a they were such a cute couple. And of course, I will never forget that wedding. It was absolutely beautiful um, at the Mission Inn. Oh, a fairy tale wedding. And of course, I'll never forget the best men's uh, toast. <laughs> that was amazing. That's, 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 oh, he had us laughing. If you ever uh, have a chance, that would be fun to. To, um, you still have that speech, yeah. Do you have it? Yeah, we still have it. So, hey, if you guys want to see that, I have oh, the I have the video. The answer is, <laughs> the answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just, so. so I said this in the speech, and this is this isn't even me making jokes. This is this was real. I said like just how Ryan and I are very similar and how we're different. My junior senior year of high school, I was getting army brochures in the mail. Whereas Ryan was getting acceptance letters from all the colleges he was applying to. That was real. Yes, and I, I really, um, and to Ryan, I just want to thank you, Ryan, because you have continued your friendship with Mike and been very generous with him, flying him out to visit you guys in Texas. And, um, you know, your mom's always been very... MBR spent Thanksgiving with Ryan and Alex yeah. on tour. Yeah. So you and Alex have been so generous, and I have enjoyed watching through the years your advance there and your little one little growing into such a young, beautiful, young, handsome young man. Hunter's playing tackle football now. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, and pretty so sure he won the championship. we're proud of you guys. Very God nice. bless you. I still remember pool parties and... Mm-hmm. Before they even moved, yeah, crazy. <clears throat> oh, so let's wait, wait, uh, before we get into the serious thing. One last thing, it just <laughs> the whole, like the whole, uh, how a couple weeks ago I was like, oh, my soul left my body when one of our friends <laughs> thought my my almost six year older brother was the younger brother, Jesse. Jesse. So today, so I'm back at the coffee shop <clears throat> and making drinks, and there's this tall, this tall kid. And he like looks over and he's just like, Coach Mike? <laughs> and he's like, do you remember me? And like his face is the same. I mean, he's somewhat taller now, but his face is the same. It, it, it was just, his name is Matt. And I was just like, of course I remember you. Like, like I coached him in junior high. And I was being 100% serious when I was just like, in my mind, I'm like trying to, I'm like, oh my goodness. I was like, dude, did he drive here? I was like, dude, are you? are you a sophomore? And he's like, no, uh, I'm a senior in high school. I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> ouch. I was like, dude, no. Yeah. Um, 
Did you have uh, Did you have Matt McFarlane? No. Oh. Uh, well, well, his son's a senior in high school, so. <laughs> which is yeah. Anyway, that's my brother's yeah. friend that was one of my teachers in high school. Anyway, <laughs> coached his kid in junior high, and now he's a senior in high school. So. Yeah, story repeats so. itself. Yeah, yeah. But anyway. um, all right. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah. So this December second, um, two thousand fifteen, mm-hmm. was. So for, for the people that, that are from Inland Empire, from Southern California, um, it was this, it, it was a terrorist attack in San Marino, California, mm-hmm. like a couple miles up the street from where we are right now. Um, mm-hmm. For me, I was actually working in one of the buildings, right in one of the county buildings right here. And I could see from my floor and from where I sat out the windows, I could see all the commotion. I could see the like all the helicopters, the cop cars. We could hear the sirens. We could hear, and we were put on a complete and total lockdown. Um, To the to the point where, like, you know, one of my best friends was she she was having a meltdown because she was trying. She couldn't get hold of her kids. Now, not in the same area in Fontana, but still, just the thought of these Mm -hmm. things happening, like, you know, just yeah, so close to home. I, my aunt was calling me every, like just I was getting phone calls nonstop like everybody was just in a complete and total panic and this is miles away from where it's happening um, and you know we're just getting the news updates we're getting little things here and there and just like this just we're getting little bits and pieces of the news and just all this terrible situation this terrible terrorist attack that happened mm-hmm. um, and you were there. Mm-hmm. Can, can I say my, my thing is before she goes into her actual experience with it? So I had just basically, I think I was like in my still in my first probably semester back at school. Like, yeah. First trip back. I was at uh, Rizek Community College. Because this is like right when you guys pretty much came home, right? Yeah. 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 And, and so I remember I was in a, I was in a, it was a sociology class. And so we had that day we had a field trip and we went down to downtown, uh, downtown Riverside and we were in like, uh, oh, what's the name of the building? Anyway, it was like a building about showing like the historic things of Riverside, which is really cool. Lake Alice. <laughs> Lake Alice. <laughs> um, and so I remember I'm in there and I'm in class and my, my, my phone's ringing. And so, you know, I'm trying to be a good student. I answer the phone while I'm in class. And so phone doesn't ring i mean sorry so the phone stops ringing and then i check it and it's a text message from my mom and it says i want you to know that i'm okay and i love you and i was like okay that's not normal yeah and i was like and and i'm literally reading the text and as i finish that i'm okay but i love you like as soon as i as soon as i read that my professor goes everybody class is over please please go home be safe there was a terrorist attack in redlands and I was just like, so right away I was like, no, like, like trying to piece it together. Yeah. And then of course, but then we were trying to call. I don't even remember. Did I get to talk to you on the phone? I don't remember now. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember <laughs> too many. Yeah. Too many details on that. I know that I tried to get a, a text out to them, mm-hmm. um, to know that you know I had them all in a group, so 
with one of with just a click I told him that where I was and and that I was okay at that time because I'm sure that they were they were going to hear the news you know right, right. Mm-hmm. yeah so I, I remember like I just I think I ran to uh what's that coffee shop uh Molino's I don't know. I, I ran there, and I think it's because I had my laptop. I think I was trying to pull up. Just find Wi-Fi or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> and, then, uh, and then, yeah, and then calling, you know, calling my dad, calling my brother, calling everyone to see if, what, what they'd heard, where, what was going on. So, so yeah, so tell, I don't know what, how yeah. much of it you want to. Uh, um, I guess we kind of. It's up to you how much you want to tell or how much you want to talk about, but like what, what was your experience? What was your perspective there? I mean, was this like, well, it's experience that I don't wish on anybody. Yeah. Um, an experience that changed my life, uh, an experience that, um, unless you go through something like that, or you're able to, to really understand. And, um, at first, you know, the shock of it, um, the, you know, um, the first thing, let me back it up just a little bit. It, December the 2nd, <laughs> the night before I had asked Mike to help me bring down all of Christmas decorations from the top of our roof. Cause I was on a, <laughs> on a mission <laughs> Uh, the second sounds like you're running a little late. Uh, I, yeah, I was. <laughs> yeah. I was really on a mission. Well, the thing is, let me back it up a little more. Okay. Seven days before that, my first granddaughter was born. Okay. So I had okay. spent my time out okay. there okay. in Escondido with that, with holding my little one. Uh, so, and, uh, so I was on a mission. I needed to get the house up and running for Christmas, and I needed to get my office up and running. So my thoughts that morning when I ran into the office was I was on a mission and it was an urgent mission because I needed to do it today. (laughs) Well, halfway through, I remember I had just finished putting up the little tree in our office when there's screams coming down the hall from one of the girls. There's a shooting. There's a shooting. Well, my desk is next to the window. So I was able to see down there. And by that time, you know, they... They sent everyone to the conference room, which is right smack in the middle. And um, I knew it was serious because of the life shooting part of it and um, because um, they had already said people had died. So they barricaded us in that conference room. And that's when reality starts to hit, that you are in a very, very dangerous situation. And some were crying, some were hyperventilating. Um, There was just all kinds of reactions in that room. But um, they had flipped over the big conference table and put it against the door. But then, you know, the door, there's glass right next to the door. So I figured, hey, you know, all they have to do is, you know. So they had us um, behind that, all of us laying flat there as time, and there was a lot of 
thinking and meditating and and trying to figure out if you're going to get out of there alive. Um, my first thought was my children, of course, my husband and my brand-new granddaughter. And um, you start to face death, you know, with that possibility that you may not get out of there. So um, I had... I was lucky enough to have my phone with me when we ran out the door, only because I had it in my pocket. (laughs) So I was able to connect with my family right away and letting them know that um, where I was on the third floor and that I was okay at that time, the same text I sent out to my three sisters, one of whom works worked at the public health department and administration. So um, it was she that told the administrators that there was a shooting there and that I was in there. So right away, the word gets out, and um, I started, my, my phone just started to, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> blow up with all everybody calling and trying to reach, but I couldn't. I didn't have that much left so I had to be very careful in in that so I um but um what I'm trying to say is that during that time it it really you're in shock so the fear is is uh it's real you know that things are happening you don't know what it's gonna you know so after that we were um a voice came on the loudspeaker saying that we were to evacuate we didn't know at that time that they had they had found bombs around the the building, so they got us out of there with our hands up and our badge on our hands, single file. And we hear one of the police say, "Building has not been cleared." And so the decision was made by the our supervisors that we were needing to just leave the building so we did and we we want single file (laughs) you know you could see things there on the side but anyway we made it across and realized that the place was just full of firemen and ambulances helicopters that were landed on the well of course helicopters on top and all I could think in my mind at that time was claiming Psalms 23 that even though you walk through the valley of death, God was going to be with me. That brought peace, but it wasn't, um, you know, it's harder to say it than to, than to really believe it as you're walking through a situation, literally a situation like that. So there was a lot of emotions, a lot of things um, that happened, uh, a lot of interviewing by the police department uh, and um, of what you saw, didn't see, hear, whatever. So the process was, it was all a, a nightmare. You know, you just, you don't believe that you're living through that. Yeah, it's like you're in a, in a haze. You're in a haze. A lot of things, you know, um, kind of get blocked out I think that's that's the best way to kind of save your mental health Mm -hmm. there um 
but but all I can say was it's an experience that you would never want to to go through, and um, and it's I think the closest thing that I've ever faced to to death, to and knowing feeling, and knowing yeah. that you know, yeah, it just makes you realize that how fragile life it really is, you know, you're here this minute and then you're gone the next, and. One of the lessons that I took away from this whole ordeal was not not just that the Lord was with me, but it helped me to know the difference between what was urgent and what was important. Mm. It was really urgent for me to get my Christmas decor in my office and in my house. That was urgent. Right. <laughs> But what was more important was my children, my husband, my granddaughter, my sisters, my family. That was important. And the next morning when the little sleep that I got that I woke up, I didn't know if it was a dream or if it had really happened. But all I wanted was to be with my family. I just wanted to be. I didn't want to go anywhere. I just wanted to be with them. And so it it just kind of changes your whole, for me, it just changed the way I saw life. You know, I'm a Christian, and I believe in God, and I knew that he had protected me for a reason. And um, I just thanked him that I was able (laughs) to see another day, and that um, that this, this was a hard lesson to learn, but I think that is something that is really important as we go through life to really value the things that are important. It's, it's really interesting to see and, and like, you know, to hear the perspectives of, of kind of coping and dealing with it afterwards and, mm-hmm. and you know, the way that people, um, you know, like you're saying, I wanted to be with my family. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I had a, a, not really a friend of mine, but I, at the time I was, working out at 24 hour fitness and there was um like this is how small the world is i'd met this guy there um who would like we just talked because we were both asian and we were both lifting weights <laughs> right um he's a cool dude uh his name was uh joko and um he his brother was actually a nurse in the same class as jc oh, right so um, <clears throat> I, I met him through there, and then I remember right around that time, um, he was a nurse and worked over there, at, and he was on scene, and he was trying to help. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember him telling me, I remember seeing him, and I was like, yo, I haven't seen you in a couple of weeks. Like, and he was like, well, first off, I was at Inland Regional. Um, and then he was like, and then... Um, after all that went down, like, you know, all the news interviews and everything, when it started to calm down, he's like, I realized that, like, I, I, I need to be, I need, I need to help. So he enlisted in the army, mm-hmm. like, right after that. And I was like, army? He's like, I, I feel like that's where I need to be. And I was like, okay, like, what? Mm-hmm. I mean, so, and I haven't seen him since. I, like, I don't know. I mean, I would assume by now he's, if he hasn't re-enlisted, he's done his time, mm-hmm. you know, but like just that, that mentality where he was just like, I, I feel like I need to be of service mm-hmm. and this is the way I'm going to do it. Because he was a big dude and I was like, okay. I mean, like, I feel like, 
You know what I mean? To me, my thought is like, you're already a nurse. You're already mm-hmm. helping. Yeah, you're right. He's like, I, I need to go, mm-hmm. you know, above and beyond that. And I was, <clears throat> you know, so just seeing those different reactions and those different, you know, I, maybe it's a coping mechanism. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really interesting to see that, like, something as traumatic as that because that, I, I mean, like I said, even from three, four miles away, it was terrifying. So for, for you to actually be there mm-hmm. and to be going through it, you know, that's just, it's, it's a completely different level, mm-hmm. you know? And it could um, have been worse had those yeah. bombs gone off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, and, and now that you mentioned it, I do remember them because they, they had to detonate a couple right mm-hmm. afterwards. Mm-hmm. And I still remember hearing all of that going mm-hmm. on and just thinking mm-hmm. like, Oh my gosh, like this well, is insane. How long was it until we were even able to pick up your car? About a week. Yeah, like her, her, her car was there. Like yeah. we had to come get her. Yeah. <clears throat> Computer, uh, everything. Uh, I mean, if you drive by there today, they're still like they still have like the San Bernardino strong little mm-hmm. um, area with the bench. Um, the golf course is gone. Yes. It's an Amazon now. Mm-hmm. It's an Amazon warehouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, cr- I don't know where they would have evacuated us <laughs> if, if yeah. that, because yeah. that's, you know, we're over 400 Onto employees. the Amazon trucks, there's yeah. probably enough. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's wild. It's, it's, you don't think stuff like that is going to happen so close to home. No. You really, you never you expect it. And then when I mean, it does, if we had been, I think that was the hardest <clears throat> thing. You know, I remember coming home. Finally, my, we were able to leave uh, at about eight o'clock. Um, so I must have gone home closer to nine and I didn't want to go to bed. I just wanted to be there with my husband. And, um, I can remember listening to the news saying that it was a terrorist attack. And I said, Oh no, no, they've got it all wrong. A terrorist. No, no. To me, it was maybe a disgruntled employee or, you know, a parent that was just, you know, a little bit upset type of thing. Never a terrorist. I mean, terrorist attacks, you see at airports, at malls, movie houses, you know, whatever. But you don't see that in a building with social workers that are helping people with disabilities. I mean, that just doesn't make sense. I mean, I felt that I was in one of the safest places. You know, I mean, even churches nowadays, they're being gunned down. But, you know, at that time, I felt like this is one of the safest places to work, you know. Because we're helping people. Yeah. But um, no, it, it was definitely a, a terrorist attack. And um, that it was just hard to believe that in our own backyard that something like that would happen. And, I, and I remember, and like now, like I haven't thought about this in a while. Now mm-hmm. that I'm thinking about it, like, wasn't there like a, a chase afterwards? Like yes. they were chasing him through Redlands and they, mm-hmm. they went through his apartment. I think they gunned them down. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in, in fact, I distinctly remember that at that time when they were being chased, we were being picked up <clears throat> by city um, buses that had come by. They would, get you guys out. They would, yeah, they'd come into the golf course and they would fill up a, a, a bus and then be escorted down to the rock, the church, the rock, that's not far from there. But it was amazing to have, you know, um, sirens and police cars, two in the front, motorcycles on the side and in the back. I mean, we were being escorted to the church 
because they didn't know where, you know, or what was. And since you don't know, you don't know if one of the targets is in your group. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you don't. like that's I mean I don't know if I can't remember talking with you or Theo or someone but it's like you don't know like when they left you know when they left the scene it's like where were they going they maybe they're running away or are they trying to find people that escaped you don't know mm-hmm. you don't yeah. know what yeah. you don't know what that thought process is mm-hmm. like you, you can't no and and it wasn't until we got to the rock the church that um where they did more investigating and interrogating and all of that but I mean. I just want to say to the Rock Church, they were the most amazing people. For all of a sudden to have all these people, you know, 400 plus come in and they fed us and they gave us Wi-Fi. They they were just absolutely wonderful Um, in a time when you just just really, I mean, we hadn't eaten. You know, this happened like 10 o'clock in the morning. And here it was, you know, about 3.30 or 4. And, you know, but anyway, they... They were there, and they were very supportive. And it was while we were there that they announced that they had had a shootout, and that the two the, the two um, the two uh, guy, gunmen had been killed in an exchange. And then, of course, we saw that in that evening all of that come down. Mm-hmm. But um, yes, and then you know, finally, when we got home, you know. Um, listening to the news and stuff it, it was just unbelievable that something like that had happened yeah and and like why yeah. why there why you know what i mean like yeah. genuinely even it wasn't even like the uh like they had like a bre- like a co- like a coffee station on site mm-hmm. and the barista was killed like mm-hmm. yeah well they they killed one of the baristas outside mm-hmm. in our in the regional center so did i were you now? Were you close with anybody that was shot? Or, or? The, the closest one was was the Baris. He was okay. a okay. he was a wonderful young uh, man. Um, very very um, happy go lucky. Um, always had a smile. And you know when you go there a lot, they know almost what you're going to order. Right. <laughs> Um, they know before you know. And that, yes, <laughs> and he had just stepped out. Is what we understand. He had just stepped out of the office when they came through, and he was one of the first ones they shot. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I don't think he even knew what hit him. But um, the other ones, of course, were all from the health department, um, and they, you know, so we really didn't know that they were rent- they were renting the building there. Um, so the ones that were, the one that we'd lost from regional center was the breeze guy from there. Mm-hmm. But, um, among them, there was a lot of young moms and it was just a very senseless, yeah. senseless death. Yeah. yeah. It was very, <clears throat> that's terrible. It was very, um, emotional and having to deal with those emotions. It was another, another thing. So going going off the dealing with the motions, this is something we kind of talked about earlier, and I found it, I found this interesting because I kind of, I felt very similar to how you were handling mm-hmm. a traumatic experience. Um, for someone like this, they uh, they provided you guys like uh, grievance counseling and um, 
like what like quarter crisis basically mm-hmm. right and so if you can can you kind of explain that whole process and you know why you initially didn't want to do it <laughs> and then what led you to eventually doing it okay um regional center was just amazing during this time with their employees um they couldn't do enough type of thing they wanted to make sure we were all fine and the first thing they did was to give us flyers uh with uh counselors you know for us to seek counseling but they it was a list of not just counselors they were trauma counselors that dealt with that um so this was a specific list, and um, they handed it out to all of us. Well, and um, and at first, you know, I, I thought, well, I I don't need that. Um, I I'm gonna be okay, you know. I'm a God fearing woman. I know, I, you know, I've been uh, my faith in God is strong, um, you know. Um, I, I don't need to seek any counseling because God is my counselor. And, you know, that to me was real. I mean, I really believed I didn't need counseling, that I was going to be okay. It just was a matter of time um, to rest and to get myself, you know, going. Uh, but my sweet husband must have noticed things that I didn't notice. And he told me one day, you know, sweetheart, I think it's going to be important that you do see a counselor because he's very diplomatic. Um, in the future, if there's any problems and you have not seen any, seeked any help, it's going to be a lot difficult and a lot different, you know, mm-hmm. down the line. So his words convinced me to seek one of those counselors on the list. And, um, but I had an alternative motive. <laughs> um, maybe, is, maybe a selfish motive. This is literally, this makes me laugh because this is exactly my thinking when I went to. And yeah. I thought, well, what a great opportunity to find out how these trauma counselors do their counseling. <laughs> I could get some tips. And, and check out some of their skills and that kind of stuff. So I was not going in for help. I was going to go in to find out some of those tips and those skills that these uh, trauma counselors could offer. You're trying to steal state secrets. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> See, that's how I went into all my free counseling school. Yeah. Like in my, in my mind, I was like, I don't need to be here. I know what's going on in my life, but I'd like... Yeah. I'd like to see how this goes. Isn't that kind of how you found out that like you have trauma driving in the rain? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> Very first one. <laughs> They're like, how's your, how you know, ah, you know, a little stress, whatever, no big deal. Rain, not a fan of it. Why? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I was in an accident. Like bad and from the rain? No, it was in snow. And like I went into the whole thing and I was like, I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> They're like, well, like clearly you, you already came in this, uh, like a, you said you told me you were anxious and whatever. I was like, well, I'm not, you know, I'm stressed out from school. They're like, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that. But you, you just told me that you're stressed out from your drive here because of the rain. Like, <laughs> and, it's, and it sounds like it's a higher anxiety than someone who just doesn't like driving in the rain. Yeah. I was like, 
Yeah. Okay. So, so anyway, that was kind of my uh, mindset at that time. I really didn't believe. I felt that by going to a counselor, that would show that I didn't have faith in God or in what his power, what he could do for me. I felt that um, it really wasn't necessary to do that. However, I didn't know what I had just gone through, you know, and and it wasn't till I mean, that first counseling, I'll never forget that counselor, Mrs. Johnson, she was amazing. And after that first counsel, I said, you know, what a blessing to have this type of help. Um, and what I thought was just going to be a one-time thing to kind of check it out and see what tips I could find, I took six of the sessions that came, and I looked forward to them because I, every time I came out of there feeling so much better mm. because a lot of this stuff you can't really talk about it to someone that hasn't been through that. They think you might be a little bit off, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was wonderful to be able to talk to someone who understood, who had the skills to help. And I think my recovery from that uh, was much faster than if I would have not gone and tried to work. And I, I know that the Lord would have helped me, but this was a very quick you know the lord puts professional people <clears throat> counselors to help you so you know we can't also i learned we can't be close-minded and say you know me going to the to a uh, counselor is not showing faith or it's not showing that i'm a christian no god has set those people he has given them that talent he has given them those abilities to be able to help people, especially if you've been through a traumatic experience. So my, my encouragement to anyone that's listening today, if you feel you need help, if you've been through any type of trauma, seek help. It's the best thing that you could do. And not be afraid, not be embarrassed to think that, oh, you're a weakie because you're, you know, you can't handle this. No. They're there to help you. And if you're willing to help, get the help, by all means, get it. Yeah. I don't think we can say any better than that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, today, my dad said, what my dad said was that my immediate thought of, because um, my mom was saying, you know, well, how, you, know did, you know, she's like, your dad must have seen something for him to be like, you should go to this. And I remember this is what I thought right away. And then when dad said it, I was like, Oh, that's what, that's, that's what I was thinking too. Um, that you guys were in the, in the area of your work, but it wasn't even, it wasn't exactly there, but that you just saw an ambulance go by, not even going towards the region. I just saw an ambulance go by. And my mom's first reaction or what she said just involuntarily was not again. Mm. Yeah. And so, you know, and I think sounds, you know, it sounds, throw you off you know yeah, like, especially sirens and for me for a long time i couldn't hear sirens you know and as a you know as a, as a person you can step back and be like oh wow that was dramatic like this isn't even near you know what i mean but it's like yeah. i think that's that's what makes you know something something so traumatic uh you know it can it can i feel like there's it, you can get triggered in different ways and um and it may not seem like a rational thing to an outsider but like 
in those moments, you don't know, like, you know, that took you like right back into that moment or whatever it, it was. It takes you right back. And it takes a while to, you know, I don't think you ever um, really, really get over it, but it sure helps, you know. Right. Now mm-hmm. I can hear a siren and not freak out, you know. So, um, yeah, so counseling definitely does help. <laughs> well, I mean, like I said, that, that we can't say it any better than that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> well, I mean, I, I guess we can, we can call it at that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know it's it's bedtime. It's my bedtime, <laughs> senior citizen bedtime. Um, <laughs> once again, everybody, thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening. Um, make sure that you guys uh, tell a friend about it. Even just tell one friend. Have them listen to the show. That'd be awesome. Have mm-hmm. them tell one friend. Uh, make sure you follow us. Mike recently created a Twitter. We have a Twitter. Uh, so um, I don't know who uses Twitter anymore, but Mike still does. So <laughs> I believe it's at walking blind pod. Yes. Uh, we have at walking blind pod on Instagram, um, walking blind podcast at gmail.com, walking blind podcast.com, walking blind pod.com. Um, wherever you guys want to, uh, check it out, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you listen to podcasts it should be available. Um, please like comment and subscribe. And then thank you so much. Thank for you for tonight. giving me the Thanks, Mom. opportunity <laughs> we, to, meet your crowd here and we we want you on on future episodes and we want to talk more about mike's childhood (laughs) oh that's very interesting his his dating life oh uh, my goodness (laughs) thanks for checking out the walking with podcast we'll see you guys (laughs) next week hey now that you said girlfriends oh my goodness i just loved all of the girlfriends I was the one that stayed crying, <laughs> not him. What is happening right now? I loved all my, all my girlfriends. You know, but, you, but listen, you got to remember, I only had two boys. I didn't have daughters. True. So when the girlfriends came along, You're ready. you know, the, my, old, my oldest boy and my, and my son, this one, I just loved him. <laughs> and, and, and then when they were gone, I was crying. But anyway, that's for another, that's for another one. <laughs> Invite me back for that one. <laughs> I'm so ready for that one. Oh, I'm so excited. My, my exes will call, will, they'll like text me or they'll message me and they'll be like, hey, wish your mom a happy birthday. Or, or I just wish your mom a happy birthday. I hope you guys are having a fun day today. I'm like, <laughs> thank you. Like, yeah, we are. Or my mom will tell me like, oh, so-and-so left me the sweetest message of so-and-so. I'm like, what? <laughs> Why? Because we're friends? Because they, they didn't break up with me. They broke up with you. <laughs> In some cases, I broke up with them, Mom. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. (laughs) Good night. (laughs) Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.